You are listening to the Core of Discover Aquacast, brought to you by the Aquarium of the Pacific. On November 15, 1805, following a stretch of miserable weather and high waves that left the expedition stranded in a tiny cove fittingly called Dismal Niche, the Core of Discovery, led by Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, is rewarded with its first glimpse of the expedition's objective, the Pacific Ocean. The moment receives only a brief mention in the diaries of the explorers. Clark writes simply of the main ocean being visible immediately in front of us, after mistakenly declaring the ocean in view a week earlier while descending the wide Columbia River. The men and women of the expedition had felt the ocean's presence for weeks, Portaging a series of cataracts toward the end of October, the expedition noted that the river gave, quote, every appearance of being affected by the tide. On October 23, fresh from descending the chutes, today known as Salillo Falls, William Clark recorded, observing, great numbers of sea otters in the river below the falls. Clark's observation was confirmed the following day by Patrick Gass, another member of the expedition who wrote, in our way down today, we saw a great many sea otters swimming in the river. Months later, Clark would correct himself, noting that the animals observed were not sea otters at all. Quote, the sea otter is found only on the sea coast and in salt water. Those animals which I took to be the sea otter from the great falls of the Columbia to the mouth proves to be the phosis, or seal, unquote. specifically the Pacific Harbor Seal. Harbor seals are frequently observed in bays, estuaries, and rivers, but Captain Clark can be forgiven his initial confusion encountering the seals on the Columbia River some 100 miles from the ocean. Descending the river toward the ocean, the expedition encountered a fish the explorers called a salmon trout, which Clark described as silver-white color on the belly and sides and a bluish light brown on the back and head. This fish is today called the steelhead trout. Steelheads are born in the rushing rivers that flow to the Pacific, but spend the majority of their life at sea, returning to the rivers to spawn and die. After camping for a short time on the north bank of the Columbia, the Corps of Discovery, lured by stories of abundant elk and the prospect of boiling seawater to extract salt, crosses to the south side of the estuary, on December 10, they begin building a small fort in a dense pine forest along a tributary river, just four miles from the ocean's edge, to serve as winter quarters. The explorers name the fort for the local Clatsop Indians, and here they will spend the next three months, replenishing their supplies, repairing their canoes, and tanning elk hide to replace their tattered clothing. Lewis and Clark used the opportunity to continue their observations of the animals, plants, and peoples of the area. Among the hundreds of animals and plants described by the expedition leaders during their winter sojourn are two fish, the white sturgeon and the eulicon, received in trade from the Clatsops. The white or Columbia sturgeon is the largest freshwater fish in North America, reaching lengths of up to 15 feet and weighing over 1,500 pounds. The mature fish frequent the brackish waters of the Columbia River estuary. The small eulicon, a species of smelt, is praised by Clark, quote, 
I think them superior to any fish I ever tasted, even more delicate and luscious than the white fish of the lakes, prepared in the Indian style, roasted on a spit. Clark notes of the Ulicon, they are so fat they require no additional sauce. And it is this fat that lends the Ulicon its other common name, the candlefish. Dried Ulicon can be fitted with a wick and burned like a candle, due to this fatty and flavorful tissue. In March, the Corps of Discovery, disappointed that they did not contact a trading ship during their stay at Fort Clatsop, will begin their return journey eastward. They carry with them records and specimens of species never before described by scientists, including the Pacific Harbor Seal, the Steelhead, the White Sturgeon, and the Ulicon, among many others, leaving their indelible mark on the natural history of the Pacific Ocean and its inhabitants. You've been listening to the Core of Discover Aquacast, brought to you by the Aquarium of the Pacific.